Welcome to Anchor. If this is uh, your first time here, I want to extend uh, an extra warm welcome as Brian has. Uh, and uh, we're just so excited, uh, not only to be here, but because we're here together. That's, that's the point. And what we're starting here today is a, a small mini-series that's going to go over three weeks. Uh, we're going to have a, a bit of a break, as Brian said, for baptism and uh, uh, just in the middle of that. But we, we want to spend time thinking about what the church is and who we are and what we're to do with ourselves, with our money, with our talent, with our time, with our whole lives. So that's what we are getting into uh, today. Now, my name is Arnaldo. I'm from the Dulwich Hill Gospel uh, Community. That's right. That's right. And uh, again, just so stoked to have you here uh, with us today. So I'm going to pray. And all that is, is I'm, I'm just going to ask God to help me to forget the things that will not be helpful for you. Uh, and help me to remember the things that will be helpful for you. Uh, and if you can join me, uh, that would be awesome. I'm going to pray and then I'm going to read the scriptures. The, uh, they'll be just uh, behind me on the screen. And then we'll jump right into it. Let's pray. Father, thank you again for who you are. As we, we listen to uh, this music, as, as we were speaking to one another, getting to know one another, Lord, you are a good, good Father. And we thank you for that. And Lord, I ask now for help. I ask now for help because I am insufficient. I, I am not, uh, um, I, I'm a broken vessel, but Lord, you work magnificently. You can still draw straight lines with crooked sticks. So, Father, I thank you for that. And we ask, Lord, that you will open up hearts and ears that those who are far away from you today will draw near to you by grace. So we thank you for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I've got a friend who's going to remain nameless, uh, his name's Dean, and a, a guy from work, he's, 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 a, he's a character, he loves sport, but he always picks two teams. He says, well, just in case my team loses, I still have another team, I got, I got a backup. And I, and we, and I said, well, what, what happens when they match up against one another? He goes, well, I can be both happy and sad, because I'm always going to win. He can't commit, he doesn't commit to a team, and we argue all the time, I said, just commit to a team, and it's soccer, so I don't really care too much, I'm sorry, football, uh, as you Australians say it, but he, he just won't commit, and so often, when I think about that, I think about, well, that, that is uh, uh, something that I have seen and experienced, and have gone through myself with the church, we never, or, or we find it extremely hard in this day and age to commit to a local church. Why is that? Why is that? I'm going to read uh, a passage of Scripture, and then we will go through it. And we're going to be reading from the book of Hebrews. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, it's going to be behind me. Hebrews chapter 10, beginning of verse 19. If this is your first time when I say chapter, that's a large number, and verse is a small number. So beginning at 19. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus... By the new and living way that he opened, us, he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see 
the day drawing near. And there are three reasons why we even want to uh, teach on this, why we want to talk about what it looks like to date the church. Three reasons. One is because we believe here that the church is the people of God. We are the people of God, and God works through us. And what we are, we are a display of what he's doing. We are a display of the new creation. And let me, let me catch you up. If, if, if this is the first time you hear about something like this, God created everything. There's one God in three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. He created everything. And he created everything good. In fact, uh, the first couple chapters of Genesis, the first book in the Bible, says it was very good. And not soon after, Genesis 3, we fall or we rebel. We basically say, we don't want you as our creator. We don't want you as our God. We don't want you as our king. So we turn our backs on him. And Adam and Eve, our first parents, did that. And we continually do that after them. But he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to redeem creation. And one day, and one day, everything that you hate about this world, every injustice, every pain, every tear will be wiped away. And what the church is, is a mechanism through which this happens. And that's important for us to be a part of. So one reason why we want to do it is because we are at the, at, at the center of what God is doing in this world to recreate it. Number two, we want you to be a part of this because there, there are some lies that we hear all the time. Number one is, is that we are radically individual. I'm a radical individual. I am the captain of my own soul. Let me, let me just stop you there for a second. For the first 10 or 15 years of your life, everything, just about, Every decision was made for you. You did not decide what family you were going to be born into. You did not decide which neighborhood. You did not decide how much money your parents were going to make. You are radically connected to others. And this idea that we are just individuals, free-floating, and we make all, every single decision on our own is a lie. First 10, 15 years, your parents, your family make you who you are. After that, when you choose your friends, your friends and your acquaintances make you who you are. So the reason why we want to do this is because we are not just radically individualistic. We're connected, and we want to show you how. The other reason is, is we, are, we live in a, in a radically consumeristic culture. I mean, it's prevalent, and it is paralyzing. It's, it's, I remember you know, my wife and I, whenever we go out, she sends me the menu about a week in advance. She goes, this is where we're going. This is the menu. Can you please choose? Because she knows I'm going to be there for like an hour. So many choices paralyze us. I remember I was at work and I said, oh, I've got half an hour for my break. I'm going to watch Netflix while I, while I eat. And there's something about that. When I'm eating alone, I just need to watch something. I don't know if that's good or bad. But I remember I'm eating and I'm eating and I'm trying to choose and trying to choose and trying to choose. And I finished my meal and by that time I just looked at a bunch of photos about movies that I wanted to see. Choices paralyze us. And so often when we see uh, uh, the prevalence, we, we are paralyzed and we choose to just keep the church at bay and say, well, I'm not, I'm not going to commit. Thirdly, we, some of us have had really poor experiences. Some of us have had really poor and traumatic experiences with the church. There's been abuse in the church, spiritual, physical, sexual, and we want to honor that. We want to say, listen, we know that the church 
It's a broken body. But come and experience the grace of community here at Anchor. So that's why we want to uh, preach on that. And, and lastly, we want to preach on that because of Microsoft Excel. We ran a couple reports uh, just to show how, our, uh, uh, how much of our time uh, to, to the gatherings are we dedicated. Now, some of us may be put off by that. Some of us may be put off by numbers. But as Matt always says, is, uh, numbers, uh, we, don't, we don't get excited about numbers. We, we don't, we're not driven by numbers. But numbers represent people. And people represent stories. And those stories are stories that God wants to redeem in Jesus Christ. So when I speak numbers, I, I don't want you to think, oh, we, we just care about Anchor and how big it gets. No, actually, listen, it's easier for us as a staff team to keep it small. It's more work for us. But we want to see people radically redeemed by the gospel. In the book of Acts, you see thousands of people come to know uh, the Lord Jesus. So when I speak of numbers, keep that in mind, that numbers represent people, and people represent stories, and these stories God wants to redeem. So last, last year, our uh, Sunday gathering uh, was about 66%. So 66% of people would show up on any given Sunday. Now this year, uh, we've gotten a bit better. It's been about 75%, but we want to see that skyrocket, and we want to thank God for, for that and for the growth that we've had. But we want to see people here encountering the gospel week in and week out at our Sunday gatherings. At gospel communities, there were about 55% of people showing up to gospel communities last year. And this year, it's about the same. So on any given Sunday, about a quarter of us are away. And any given uh, throughout the week, about half of us are away. And we want to see that change. Not so that we can give you more to do, but so that we can avail you with, with opportunities to change, be changed by the gospel to encounter the Holy Spirit in community. That's what we want to do. Now, we want to acknowledge also that there are a million, 10 million valid reasons why you can't be here. We want to, we want to acknowledge that there is sickness and there is uh, 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 things that come up or, or, or missional opportunities with your friends. We want to honor that and we want to tell you, go be the church. But so often we have an inkling that sometimes uh, it could be just poor time management and your uni schedule racks up. We, we want to encourage you to be diligent throughout the week so that you can make this a priority. Not for our sake, not for what we can get from you, but we want what, with what we want to give to you. So those three reasons, because the church is at the center of, of what God is doing in this world, uh, because the influences that are around us that fight against us committing, but also because we want to see us grow, not only in numbers, but in depth. And in order for us to do that, we need to be together as a community. So we're going to make three movements today, according to this past. Three movements. One is what is the church? What is it? Two is why we the church? Now, I know that's not grammatically correct, but it sounds better. So number one is what is a church? Number two is why we the church, and number three is how we the church. I wore my Tim so I can say that, okay? I'm speaking partly ebonics today. So what is the church? Listen, the church are the redeemed people of God gathered together by his Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus for the glory of God. The same Spirit of Jesus who gathered us now sends us out on mission to those who are far from Jesus. I'm going to read that again. The church are the redeemed people of God, gathered together by his Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus for the glory of God. 
Listen, the same spirit who, of Jesus who gathered us now sends us on mission to those who are far from Jesus. The church, listen, we say this every time. We say this every week. I teach this to my kids when they say, hey, are we going to church? I said, well, that's kind of impossible, bro, because we are the church. And I've been listening. And there, there, there are different ways that we speak. One is, is what we believe on the surface. But so often our words betray what we believe. And we need to start listening to our embedded language. The language that we use when we're not even thinking. What language do you use when you talk to your friends or your family or with one another when you think of anchor? What language do you use? Do you, do you actually still say, hey, we're going to church or I'll see you at church as if it's a place, brick, mortar, seats, carpeting, and more, factory, packed? Is that what we think? Is it brick and mortar? And I want to change that in better language. We want to change that language because the church is a people, not a place. The church is not a two-hour event. The church is not just meeting together for a meal. That's not, what, that, that's not what church is. That's a part of it, absolutely. And we want to encourage you. Listen, it's an extremely important part of it. But when you leave here, when you leave here, there's going to be a sign just back here. And it's going to say, be the church. And we don't just want to say that. We want to be that. We want to live that. We want that to be so embedded in our consciousness that by default, by default, say, I am the church. I'm a part of the church. I don't just go to church. There's a story of this, uh, uh, this pastor and his kids. He was trying to teach his kids this. And uh, the kid was at, uh, at Sunday school or creche or something like that. And, and the, uh, uh, the kid said, hey, to, to the Sunday school teacher, hey, can I take these crayons? And the Sunday school teacher said, no, 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 they're the churches. So the kid said, cool. Daddy said, we're the church. So he lifted the crayons and he took them home. And, and when the Sunday school teacher asked him, he said, well, what, what's going on there? He says, well, I, I'll sort that out. But he, he's got the right idea. <laughs> I'm not advocating stealing from our kids' ministry, but he's got the right idea. And different churches have different structures. There's going to be a million churches with a million different ways. But we at here at Anchor, we, we want to gather in three ways around three things. One is our Sunday gathering, which is what we're doing now. Two is our gospel communities. And gospel communities are a deeper level of engagement with the Word and with one another. So we encourage you. We encourage you to join a gospel community. But we also meet in gospel triplets. Now that is a place where things get gritty, raw, real. And it is the place of change. I don't know if you've experienced a gospel triplet. I don't know if you've experienced a couple of hours. The freedom that it avails you when you confess your sin to a brother or to a sister. The freedom when you can be who you really are. We are living. We're living in a culture that encourages you to wear a mask day in and day out. You know how exhausting that is? I mean, we work, and we work, and we work, and we work, and we work just so that people that we don't probably even like think well of us. And this is the place, this is, this is the environment where we can say, you know what, I, I, th this is who I am. It's a safe place. This is who I am. And that's the only way who you're going to become who God wants you to be. By first coming into a relationship with one or two brothers, and if you're, if you're a lady, one or two sisters, 
and exposing yourself to the gospel, exposing those hidden beliefs, exposing every crevice of your life so that the gospel can seep in and infect everything. So we do those three things. We, we gather together as a large group, and then we gather together as a family, as a smaller group, as a smaller family, and then we gather in twos, threes, and fours, really threes and fours, so that we can uh, see how the gospel can affect everything in our lives. And why? Because our heads need to be informed by the gospel. Our hearts need to be transformed by the gospel. And our lives need to be conformed after the gospel. So often, you know, we think that as long as I know, as long as I'm being informed, so I can just go, I don't need to really be a part of the church because I can uh, grab a Tim Keller podcast or the Anchor podcast or, or whomever's podcast. Because my, my uh, brain, my mind is being informed. But sociologists will tell you, and they've been telling us for years, is that our behavior, our lives are shaped around what we love not what we know so much. What we love. And the reason why we meet together, the reason why we preach, the reason why we sing is so that we can reorder the structures of your heart to love God above all else. Do you get that? Do you get why we meet? We don't meet to get from you. We meet so that we can all be conformed to the image of God by loving him more. Not by loving other things less. I don't have to go home and say, well, I need to love my wife less and my kids less and my stuff less and my job less. No, 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 none of that. But we love those things in relation to our love for God. And as that grows through the gospel, we see change. We see change. So that's what is this church. That's, that's what the church is. We're, we're a, a family of missionaries being, being indwelt by the Spirit and being sent out by the Spirit. But why are we the church? Why are we the church? And what I mean to say by that is why do we gather as a community? Five reasons. Follow. Jesus is alive. Created, we are created for community. We need encouragement. We're created for worship, and we need the word. Follow. So Jesus is alive. Did you know in the, uh, Christianity grew out of Judaism, and they worshiped on a Saturday. But we worship now on a Sunday, and we want to uh, offer this uh, so you can thank us, because in, in Western culture, we have a two-day weekend because of this. We just couldn't decide. We just couldn't decide, so you're welcome. But we, we, we are the church because Jesus is alive. We want to get together to worship him, to sing to him, to learn of him, to encounter him. That's, that, that's why we gather. Listen, if you ever sense here from Matt, myself, or Brian, or Brad, that Jesus is, is demoted from being the head of this church, we, we will ask you to leave. If Jesus isn't the center of everything we do, if he doesn't energize our language, our speech, our acts, go elsewhere. This is not the place. It wouldn't be a healthy place if Jesus is not the center of everything we do. And not Jesus as an idea, as, as someone who has risen in my heart. No, the bodily resurrection of Jesus empowers everything we do. So why, why are we the church? Because Jesus is alive. Why are we the church? Because we were created for community. In the beginning, I mentioned that God created us. In the beginning, it says that uh, God says in Genesis 1, let us 
make man in our own image, male and female, he created them. Us? Us? God himself is a community of love. God himself is a circle, a dance, C.S. Lewis says, of love, and he calls us to join it. And I know, listen, the Trinity, God being one God in three persons, that, 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 that shorts our fuses sometimes. But let me tell you this, if God is not three persons, if he was just a singular being, then love would not be the fundamental reality of the world. Because before you were created, before you were a thought, God perfectly loved himself in community. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we were, we were created in that image. So much so that when he creates Adam, he says later on, the first time that something wasn't good, he says, it is not good for man to be alone. And he created Eve for him. We are created to be in community, and that's why it's so important. Encouragement. We need encouragement. Why? Why do we need encouragement? We forget. Hebrews, again, tells us to, to consider how we can spur one another on to love and good works. We forget who we are. We forget our identity. And some of us are uni students, and we forget that your GPA is not your end-all and be-all. We're in a relationship, a romantic relationship, and we forget that this romantic partner is not created to fulfill every single desire of your heart. We forget. You forget who you are in Christ, and therefore you need encouragement. Do you ever, do you ever come? Do you ever come wanting to encourage someone? Has, has that happened for you? Has that ever happened to you that while you're riding your bike or driving your car, you think, hey, how can I encourage someone today? Because this place that we, uh, uh, we have here, yes, it is for you. Yes, some churches go the old way around and saying, church is not for you, it's for everyone else. No, 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 this place is for you. We want you to be encouraged. We want you to be filled. But we want you to not just be uh, 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 where it terminates. We want you to be a conduit of this love and encouragement. Who needs encouragement here today? Uh, listen, I don't know about you, but I sure as hell do. Who, who needs encouragement? It's that person who forgets. It's that person who has fallen back into the same old sin. You are not. Let, 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 let me try to encourage you here. You are not your sin. You are not your addiction. Do you get that? If you're in Christ, if you know him, if you love him, you are not what's just broken in you. It says that when we come to know him, we are, a new, we are part of a new creation. Do you get that? Whatever you did this morning, Whatever you thought five minutes ago, whatever kind of week you had, that does not define you. Jesus defines you. Jesus defines you. You need to hear that. Why is it important that we gather? Because we forget, because we sin. You're a tired mom. You were just changing nappies all week. Your kids are sick. You forget that that doesn't define you. And you forget that through your trials, through your hardships, through the crap and the muck and the mundaneness and the highs and the lows, 
the Holy Spirit is with you. Do you know that? In the Old Testament, the way that people would worship God, the way that Israel would worship God is they had a temple later on in, in, in their life. They had a temple. And there were various courts where some people can go in. So there was a court of the Gentiles. And Gentiles meaning anyone who was not a Jew. So everyone could go into the court of the Gentiles. And then to pass that, you had to go into another court where only Jewish people could go. And that's as far as women could go. And then there was another court where Jewish men were able to go. And that's as far as they could go. And then there was another court where priests and Levites, the, the religious authorities, can go. And no one else can go. But at the center of that temple, there was this place called Holy of Holies, that one priest on one day could go in, Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. That was the extent of their presence, and yet we have the Holy Spirit living here, now, in you, in us. You need to be reminded of that, and I know that because I desperately need to be reminded of that. We need encouragement. And we need to worship together. We need to worship together. A lot of us grew up in churches where uh, uh, that term worship was just designated for the time we sing. So we worshiped, and now we're, uh, uh, we're listening to a sermon, and then we're going to worship, against later, uh, worship against, uh, again later, and then we'll go do other things. Worship is all of life. But this all of life worship, what has happened in, in, some, of our, in some of our movements is that we then said, well, if everything is worship, well, sort of. Is it that important then to, to gather together? Yes, because the gospel gets into our hearts, not just by listening to the gospel, but by singing it. How are you changed? How are, are the fundamental structures of your heart changed so that you can love God more? Not just by knowing, but by singing, but by proclaiming. That's how you can uh, 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 get that deep into your heart. I don't know about you, but when I argue with my wife, uh, or, or your partner or whoever it is. I'm, I'm rehearsing stuff. Like I'm just, I'm going over and over and over what I should have said. And, 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 and I start to believe, hey, did she really say that? And I, I start saying that to myself. She said that. Oh, she said that. Oh, you said that to me? It's like the furthest thing from the truth. But what we say to ourselves, we begin to believe. And so often... Because we're just uploading, 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 uploading information about the gospel, about God. We forget to encounter him as we sing to him with our brothers and sisters. So we need to gather together consistently because we need to worship him. And lastly, the word. We gather together around the word. This word here, this book, this Bible. This is God speaking to us. The God of the universe, the God where in Psalms 33 says that he opened his mouth and stars came out. He opened his mouth and his, he breathed in these words. And we gather around it because, listen, at every staff meeting, at every staff retreat, at every, every decision we make needs to be governed. It needs to be corrected by this word. And we gather together. Yes, could you read the Bible on your own? Absolutely. And we encourage you to. We encourage you to. But we all have blind spots. Many, many blind spots. And we need one another so that we can rightly, uh, the word says, rightly handle this word of truth. Romans 10, 17 says that faith, 
excuse me, faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. So why do we gather? Why we the church? One, Jesus is alive. We are created for community. We desperately need courage to face our lives. We need encouragement. We need to worship together, and we are gathered around the authoritative word of God. So why do you need to be here? Why do we encourage you to be here? Because we love you, and we want good for you. And we want to see you grow and be the person who God has created you to be in his family. But finally, how we the church, meaning how is the church created? Dietrich Bonhoeffer, he, he was a, 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 a minister and a, a theologian in, 19, in the 1930s in, in Nazi Germany. He wrote this a classic book on community and what that looks like and what that means called Life Together. He says this, Christian community is not an ideal we have to realize, but rather a reality created by God in Christ in which we may participate. And anchor here, we're not trying to create a, 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 a false community that if we just do these things, if we just build these structures, then we'll have great community. We want to avail ourselves to the reality that when someone becomes a believer, when someone goes from death to life, which if there's someone here today that I'm praying for you even now, that you would. When someone goes from death to life, you become a part of the community. And we ask you now, because you're a part of the community, that you commit to a local community. A lot of times people think of church gathered as uh, like a bag of marbles. We get together. We're in close proximity. We, we sort of do the same things. We listen to the same things. And that, that's who we are. We're, we're just a bag of sort of individual marbles. But that's not the church. The church is more like grapes on a vine. We are intricately and not by our choice, connected to one another. Do you get that? And to pull yourself away from nourishment, from life, from vitality can be deadly. Can you be a Christian? This is a question that we often get. Can you be a Christian and not go to church? Yeah, sure. I mean, sure. You can get married to someone and not move in with them. It's a possibility. Sure, but I'm not sure where that marriage is going. I mean, I lived in New York, but Catherine lived in uh, Australia when we were uh, long-distance dating and we got married. And I just wonder if I would have come over here and said, I, you know, will you marry me? Yes, that's great. We'll go to the hall. We'll go to the church. We'll do our thing. We'll have a reception. I got to go back to New York because <laughs> I got stuff to do. I mean, imagine that disaster. And so often... That's what we do with the church. We date it. We play with it. And we keep it at arm's bay. Because you don't understand. You may not understand how important it is for your soul to be a part of the community of the people of God. But how? How, how did this happen? Let me take you back to verse 19. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened up for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart. Why? How, how could we 
be that church that in Revelation 7 says is dressed in white robes, praising and singing to God? Is it because you're better? And, and I feel like I have to say that there are people in this community and in every single community who feel that they are Christian because they are better than someone else. And that is not the gospel. That is not of grace. You have been saved by grace through faith, not of yourselves, so that no one can boast. No one can say, hey, you know why I'm a Christian? Because God thought he needed me for his team. You're a Christian despite yourself. You're a Christian because through the corridors of eternity, God placed his love on you. And our job as a family of, min, uh, of missionaries is to, to keep our antennas open and say, God, who, who are you calling? Who, are you, who can I share the gospel with today? Who can I share love with? Who can I encourage so that they too can join in the circle of love? You can be dressed in white robes because he was dressed in his blood. Not because of who you are. Not because you're a great systematic theologian. You can ask me later what that is. Not because you read your Bible daily. Not because you love your wife sacrificially. Not because you discipline your kids faithfully. Not because you preach. Not because you sing. Not because you welcome. Not because you teach kids. Not because you don't look at porn. Not because you don't smoke. Not because a million things. You are a Christian here today if you are by grace through faith. You can be dressed in white because he was drenched in blood. I'll finish with this. Paul David Tripp, someone who we, we appreciate here. He's a, a, a um, speaker uh, uh, from Texas, I think. He says this, your life, your life is much bigger than a good job an understanding spouse, and non-delinquent kids. It is bigger than beautiful gardens, nice vacations, and fashionable clothes. In reality, you are part of something immense, something that began before you were born and will continue after you die. God is rescuing fallen humanity, transporting them into his kingdom, and progressively shaping them into his likeness. And listen, listen, listen. And he wants you to be a part of it. Why do we want you to be here? Why, why do we not just want 55% attendance? Why, why are we not satisfied with 75% attendance here in our Sunday gatherings and 55 at our gospel communities? Why? Because we want to avail every opportunity. We want to avail to you this reality, this encounter with the gospel. And the only way we can do that is in community a community that's on mission, and a community that exists for Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for what you've done. Lord, we thank you that it's, it is by your blood that we can enter into the holy place now. It's not what we do. It's not what we don't say or don't do. But Lord, it's all by grace. It is an even playing field. So we thank you that we, you have made us a part of, of, of your community, 
that we, we, we don't have to strive to be part of your community. You have already made us, and Lord, we ask that you make us aware of that reality. So, Father, we thank you for all these things, and we thank you for your namesake. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Part of the thing we do as a family together is that we, we eat, uh, uh, we, we share a, a small meal. It, depending on your tradition, you may have grown up uh, calling it uh, the Eucharist or, or communion or the Lord's Supper. And all that means is that as we take the bread and we dip it in to the juice and we eat, what, what we're doing is we're celebrating. We're celebrating the fact that it is, like we read in Hebrews, that it's through his flesh torn for us. And it's through his blood poured out for us that we get to experience this beautiful community. So I invite you to sing I invite you to get up. I invite you to, there are going to be people who want to pray for you at the sides if you want to talk about something or, or pray for something. But we invite you to celebrate now. This is a time of joyful celebration. So we ask that you join us together as we sing, as we eat of his body and his blood, and as we go out and be the church. Amen.